Today's scripture reading is from John 18, 33 through 38. Pilate entered the praetorium again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say this to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingship is not of this world. If my kingship were of this world, my servants would fight, that I may not be handed over to the Jews. But my kingship is not from the world. Pilate said to him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? After he had said this, he went out to the Jews again and told them, I find no crime in him. The word of the Lord. Christ the frickin' King Sunday. That's what this Sunday is in the church calendar. That's what it's called. The last Sunday of the church year. Christ the frickin' King Sunday. You know, next week we start Advent in a brand new church year, and we'll spend four weeks looking forward to the celebration of the miraculous, astonishing, beyond shocking event of God entering the world, entering time as a helpless, vulnerable baby born to a poor teenage girl from the middle of nowhere. Then just 12 weeks later, we'll begin contemplating this grown man that is God incarnate, who teaches love and forgiveness and heals, is in his weakness arrested and executed, and then we will celebrate his taking up death in the resurrection and returning not in power to seek vengeance of his mur- on his murderers, but to make the possibility of living in love and forgiveness eternal and for all people. Then just some 40 weeks after that, all of a sudden, the church is declaring Jesus the king. The king, the ultimate title of power and oppression. Where does this come from? You cannot read the Gospels and end up with Jesus the king. It's not in there. No, the Gospels, they tell a story, recount one little incident, where Jesus snuck away and hid because the people wanted to make him their king. Snuck away and hid. The last Sunday in the church year should be called Christ the King slash Jesus Hides from the Church Sunday. It would be better. I think that would be a pretty good way to end the liturgical year with Jesus hiding from the church because then we get to find him in the manger again four weeks later. We start with a helpless child and end up 52 weeks later with a God King. It just doesn't work. It's not the story in the book. And why would anyone ever even think it was a good idea that it was a desirable thing to have God as a king I mean, where do they think, what do they think this whole king thing is about, anyway? Like, do they know how kings get to be kings? 
It's not like a bunch of guys are standing around and they're going like, you know what would be cool? We should get Hank over there and let's like give him all our possessions and like make him in charge of us. And someone else is like, yeah, yeah. And then we could have him send our sons away to be killed in wars for him. And somebody else say, yeah, and he could like say whether we live or die. That would be cool. Do you think he'll do it? We can always ask. I don't think they understand the way kings work. I know I go through the same rant every year on Christ the King Sunday. And the years I'm not preaching, Debbie goes through the same rant. Last time I talked about this king, I was trying to like, I talked about kings, and I talked about power, and I talked about fear last year. And the idea that really this king thing, kingdoms, kings, power, is really all an economy of fear. And really all fear is just a mask for the fear of death. That death is really at the core of all our fears. And that fear is the state that is preferred, well, Last year I used this extended metaphor of a salesman. Because I thought, you know, it's easier to sell something to someone who's afraid than if they're not afraid. Like if, if, you, if somebody trusts you or knows you or trusts themselves or God, you, you, don't, you don't really have as much leverage if you're not trying to scare them. Scaring somebody is the best way to sell them something. Yeah, I was talking about fear. Because that kind of power that runs the world now and has always ran the world, well, mostly forever has run the world, cannot survive without fear. There are no kings without fear. The world runs on fear. And I think last time I talked about this, I used the image of the salesman because, like, kings, I don't know, they don't really translate anymore, I don't think. I mean, kings aren't the same as they used to be. Like, England hasn't even had a king in, like, 40 years. There's no, like, popular cultural images of a king, except the burger one. And see, that doesn't work. It's like kings in the first century were not funny. Kings in the first century were not nice, benevolent people. The most powerful king at the time was the king of Rome, the Roman emperor, who enslaved people, had people killed for entertainment, and demanded to be worshipped like a god. And he was a vengeful and a jealous God. And that's how Jesus found himself before Pilate. Because the religious leaders told Pilate that Jesus claimed to be the king of the Jews, a direct challenge to the emperor of Rome, a claim that if it were true would result in execution, apparently even if it wasn't true. So using that salesman thing to stand in for a king, maybe that's a little weak too. I mean, maybe using this somewhat benign character of a salesman, even then I was still like missing something or masking something. But I was trying to get at this thing, this beast at the heart that's underneath the power of the kingdom, the beast of the machine. I know what a salesman kind of like conjures up images that are not that scary. They're maybe they're more like pitiful, like Willie Loman or Glen Gary, Glen Ross, or some glad hander with a permanent grin. They're not really terrifying. They're pitiful, maybe at worst irritating, but not like the fast closing jaws of death. Now I could go on and tell you that maybe the salesman I want to talk about 
isn't the simpleton salesman. That's not the one who wants to keep you in your fear. But instead, the real truth is that there is this beast beneath the surface, a machine that surpassed its makers and now runs out of control, unchecked. And those who built it long ago, emperors and empires and kings and manipulators, those who built it and sought to use it for their gain are now its servants. And the machine moves on, living simply to feed itself. I could tell you that this beast that once fed on his victims in the guise of political powers, totalitarian states, despot dictators, and emperor has now subsumed all states and nations and now pursues its victims in the guise of capital. That's right, money. Money is the tool of the beast. It uses it. It feeds on it. Now I could tell you it's just some salesman, some guy with bad hair in a suit that wants to keep you afraid, make you afraid of your neighbor, afraid of people that you don't like, afraid that you won't be able to take care of yourself and those you love when you're retired, afraid that someone is going to snatch your children, afraid that someone is going to shoot your kids at school, afraid that you will never find someone to share your life with, afraid that you will never find someone to love, that you will never be loved by anyone, afraid that you will always be alone, that you will never make enough money, never find a satisfying job, afraid that a group of nefarious political politicians is conspiring to take over the world and line their pockets with the blood of the most defenseless of the world and destroy the environment and take away your civil rights, afraid your food is poisoned, afraid that there is every kind of cancer growing in every part of your body, afraid that you will pay for what you have done, afraid that you really deserve it, that you really deserve every bad and tragic thing that comes to you is really and truly your fault. Afraid that you're going to die. Afraid that you're going to die poor and alone. Yeah, I could tell you all those things. I could tell you it's not just some stupid salesman that wants that for you, but there really is this beast of global capital everywhere groping, ultimately constricting you with its arms and trapping you and holding you. I could tell you that that's really real. But then, <laughs> you, you might think I'm a little crazy. Or you might think it's true. But it can't be true. All those fears just can't be the doings of some I don't know, corporate capital machine that has run amok, overshadowing kingdoms and countries. There is a beast that wants to keep you afraid, but it's not capitalism or the rich and the powerful. It's not the media or the intellectual elite. It's not the politicians or big business. The beast that wants to keep you living in fear is pure evil. There is evil. That's right. Pure evil. And it powers the world. 
And that evil is manifest in fear because fear kills. Fear destroys relationships with your neighbors and your family and yourself, with the people you meet on the street, people in other countries. It destroys relationships between God and you. It tears everything apart. This is a weird conversation in this text here. Like Jesus is brought before Pilate, who is a representative of Rome, the Roman emperor, the most powerful beast on earth at the time. And Pilate asks him straight out, are you a king? Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus doesn't even really feel obligated to answer the question. Jesus doesn't seem to be afraid of the beast at all. Jesus says, who told you that? Why are you asking me that? And Pilate is a little bit like, well, it's your people. It wasn't me. They told me. It's such kind of a weirdly casual conversation for this ultimate confrontation. And Jesus says, you know what? If, if I were a king of this world, then my soldiers and everybody would be like attacking you and trying to save me. Because that's how it works here, right? Power, fear, intimidation. Yeah, I don't work that way. I'm not part of that. That's not what I'm about at all. And here's the crazy thing. Pilate believes him. Pilate sees him as absolutely no threat. Pilate says, I find no fault in him. Not because Pilate is like this good guy. A lot of people sometimes he's painted like, well, he really got understood Jesus. And, you know, but those Jews, they really made the empire kill, kill Jesus. It's not that at all. It's just that that kind of power, that kind of machine, that kind of beast, that kind of pure evil does not recognize Jesus as a threat. Whatever Jesus is about is not even on the radar of the empire. It's like Jesus is hiding 